Hi, I'm Akhil Arora. And I'm Rohan Nahar. Welcome to The Long Take. This week, we're discussing The Boys, which recently wrapped its second season on Amazon. And as most people know, it's a superhero show. It's more of like an anti-superhero show because it loves to like take pot shots at all the superhero culture out there. And it's now done with the second season. What do you make of it, Rohan? Uh, full disclosure, just to uh, start things off, I watched it, I think, more than like a month and a half ago. Yeah, they did this new thing, right? This time they wanted to release it week by week. Week by week, which annoyed a lot of fans, right? Yeah, it did. People not happy. I think it just people have gotten used to the whole uh, that streaming is supposed to be now like a dump the first time. So this doesn't go well with audiences. Yeah. The thing is that I watched it a month and a half ago. Uh, like I watched the entire season except the finale a month and a half ago. So a lot of it is fuzzy in my head. Uh, what does my, stand out? What does stand out is that I grew very, very impatient with it um as opposed to season one which i quite enjoyed like season one was kind of a breezy uh refreshing kind of uh, take on superheroes and superhero culture and uh, the state of it, like superhero movies right now but the second season kind of it felt like it understood that the first season was like this monster that had been created and now it's kind of being eaten by that same monster because it feels the need to be more important in a way and uh, it feel uh the need to talk about a lot of things which kind of takes away the charm that the first season had at least for me mm, i don't think i really had like that fond memories of the first season i thought it was very like okay in the sense that it almost like i think uh, also happened because i watched it i think after it became like hyped to the point it was i think almost overhyped for me and then when I sort of actually, you know, I mean, that didn't even take very long. I probably watched it like a week after it was out. By that time, it just had blown up and it was like, oh, please watch The Boys or whatever. Uh, and I was just like, not that wowed by it, right? I was in terms of it's because the first season, as you said, right, it was about like poking fun at, you know, all the sort of superhero culture that had become mainstream by that point. And it didn't feel like the satire was going deep enough. It was like, yeah, this is like fun one liner. We came up in the writer's room and then we actually put it on the show. Yeah. You know, the thing about the first season was that it came in a post post Deadpool world and I feel the problem with the second season is that it's coming in a post Watchmen world. Now the thing is that because it's coming now Deadpool is already a tired property and I don't know what's happening with that but then that joke seems to be done to death now like so many people have tried to emulate what Deadpool did to varying degrees of success but I think Watchmen came and changed the game in terms of the perception of superhero storytelling at least on television and at least to me me the jokey tone of the boys just did not gel anymore maybe that's because uh we're currently in one of the worst years ever or maybe it's just because there's so much just terrible terrible stuff happening around us i did not feel it did not feel pleasant to watch a show that's kind of having a laugh at the expense of the tragedy like i would be more comfortable if a show was just straight up nihilism instead of being like jokey about it and right. i think that's and it's also, mostly like it's a, not just that it's you know joking about like frivolous things it's like joking about really serious things right because it's not like a marvel property and it's like r-rated and stuff yeah it can go into like dark places right like which is what it's sort of doing with the new character aya cash being stormfront mm. is all about like pushing how you know sort of america is under trump in a way correct and the thing is that the nihilism is so annoying that it suggests that a everyone deserves the predicament that they're in and b there's no escaping it like it feels like a lost cause almost okay you're already slaves to politicians you're already slaves to corporations you're already slaves to like literally the man one 
one rung above you in society so like what are you even trying to fight there's no point in fight although i think that's what the show is trying to say in some ways right i mean i mean that's what it sort of keeps on even harping about like you know we have these optimist at least in season one and half of season two of like at least the hugh is the perilian optimist hmm. but even like starlet around him you know like these people there was a little thing there's like a be- better way to do things right huh. but then over the course of the second season starlet basically becomes in a way like jaded and realize that that you know that there is no getting better right yeah. which is why like sort of and they they give us those tiny tiny morsels here and there will her first like that the major thing is her killing that random dude right who scar they stop mm. and i feel the show is that's what the show is missing like it needs that one character or one storyline that you can latch onto as like a human being who's watching right if you have nothing to latch onto is what i think happened to me i had nothing to latch onto like i was not engaged with the story because there was so much story and i wasn't engaged with the single plot thread and i found myself just getting impatient and feeling annoyed that i could not understand what's happening or did not care about what's happening and then once that happens it's just unpleasant like you're just trying to catch up the whole time and then you're like what's even the point of this a i don't agree with anything that the show is saying and b it's just really really difficult to watch right yeah i definitely had the first problem as well in that you know it is really plot heavy like it's just so much dependent on you know like getting from point a to b and then point to point c right every episode is just like oh we have to achieve like they set out a task or whatever and then they try to achieve it hmm. and the funny thing is like in the next episode sometimes that task doesn't even matter because the entire world has been upturned right like this is another one of those shows that loves like you know spinning twists or like putting mini cliffhangers at the end of every episode right yeah um, which i think that serves this season better since it's coming like on a weekly basis right yeah which probably informed the whole in a way roundabout manner right that they had written had written cliffhangers and then they were like oh we should release this on a weekly level and mm. not at at the same time but the problem is it's when you are trying to always you know uh, holding the audience like that sometimes what happens is what you've done in the previous episode almost doesn't matter a few episodes after like i was thinking about this the new characters right uh, initially when uh, the you know the show began the first sort of new thread that we were given turned out to be kimiko's brother right and i thought that was going to be there was being set up for like a substantial amount of episodes right because this is a, a relative to a primary character right this is in the main main sort yeah, of team but like but then the, the character is like killed off like ha huh, just they get their heads blown off yeah so the, i mean that character is like killed off like in the next episode whatever the end of the same episode by stormfront mm-hmm. just turns out to be like a bargaining chip between stormfront and homelander's relationship right essentially yeah this again happens in the sixth episode if i'm not wrong the sixth episode they finally introduced lamplighter right after being teased from season one mm. uh we finally get to see who this is who frenchy hates so much um and again i feel like okay this is like a substantial character will stay for a long while especially considering now that he's being you know he's the linchpin in their plan on the in their congressional hearings and everything boom he's dead the next episode i'm just like what why are you setting up these characters if you're gonna kill them the same like season an episode later like what what is your long-term vision here otherwise like it's the same thing I mean I'm sorry you haven't seen the finale so I'm going to spoil it for you uh but Stormfront dies in that what so now I'm like what is the long term vision of the show I mean yeah that's I'm like I'm sorry Uh, I mean, now I care even less. I guess right because I, mean, I entirely thought that this was supposed to be like you know they're making a show about Trump in America, so obviously this is going to be like a long term ploy, right? Having her around, but clearly they don't have a game plan for her, so they were like, "Cool, let's just get rid of her." Well, what if they like uh, harvest her DNA or something? I mean, so I haven't read the comics, but I've read like pieces here and there hmm. on the internet while researching for the show and all. And I mean, I'm not sure they're doing the same thing in the show, but in the comics, Homelander like came from Stormfront's DNA. That already happened or something. 
something. Hmm. So I remember this is again like executive produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, right? Yeah. Who also did uh, the Preacher adaptation. Yeah, which and I never saw. And the Preacher saw. adaptation ha- is yeah, I watched season one because I've read uh, the entire run of Preacher. Okay. So I was a huge Preacher fan, and I checked out the show because I I really like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg as well. So I was like, oh. Cool. Um, but the show is nothing at all like the comic books at all. Like it's it deviates significantly. With the boys, I've read I think the first trade paperback, which is like what five six uh, five six issues hmm. of the boys. And what happens is in the show is this might sound weird is is toned down. The show is significantly toned down. Right. Because the comic is brutal. It's crazy. And even though it's it came years and years before the Trump era, it's in terms of violence, especially. Uh, violence against women, stuff like that. It's horrific, almost. Yeah, like I've read all... about the parts that um, you know, in the sh- in the first season, she's basically sexually harassed by Dave, right? But in the comics, she's sexually assaulted by like three of them. Yeah, she's like gang rape. Yeah, which is insane. But yeah. So I felt that in an effort to kind of make it more of a television show and not a straight up adaptation of a comic book, uh, they've kind of relied on too many TV tropes, which one of you, uh, one of the tropes that you mentioned was obviously the cliffhanger endings uh, after every episode. But there's also this story of the week kind of element that the show does, which is yeah. super annoying, especially in a streaming age, <laughs> where often directors describe shows as like, oh, eight hour movie, hai, the 10 hour movie, hai, whatever. Although I hate e- that in as a concept. Equally annoying. But- yeah. yeah, but uh, this is almost like a network TV show, but like uh, without the obvious restrictions. Uh, you know, it's like heroes, but like with all the gore. <laughs> it's like they've come up with this. Ha! Huh, that's the that's the vibe I get out of this show, and I think it feels that it's smarter than it actually is. Like there's a smugness to the tone. Like I'm yeah, I keep coming. I mean, back that to smugness the tone. is e- even like sort of visually represented. Like Butcher's face is basically what you're talking <laughs> about, right? Like that smugness is there. Like I every time I. That he uh, goes into his cocky mood and he's not in his vulnerable state, which is, is very rarely. I'm just, I want to punch him to the screen. I'm like, can you stop being so cocky? Like, what is, like, where is it even coming from? Like, why are you so great? I mean, why do you think you're so great? Because he thinks he's Michael Caine, right? <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's very annoying. If, if like I mean, because the show like sort of almost enables him, right? Because you are writing, so you get to pull him out of whatever situation he's gone into without what would sometimes would be logical repercussions in the actual world. Yeah, and although like you talk about the actual world, I kind of thought that there are a lot of parallels that the show is drawing to the actual world in terms of politics, of course, but also like just the corporations and how they are even more uh, insidiously running things uh, than the politicians and I felt like uh, for an Amazon show it was um, I don't know if it's something that you should appreciate or it's just careless on their part but it felt like what could be like a stand-in for Amazon itself true and I mean in a way I was but whenever this happens I always actually give these companies credit um, you know for making these shows in the first place I mean yeah so the, the issue that I had coming back to the tonal problems with it was that A it's too smug and B I kept thinking about about how much money Amazon is making off this show, but preaching to the world through this show how bad com- like corporations such as Amazon are. You know, like Amazon is the, the lockdown has only helped companies like Amazon and Netflix and stuff like that and Disney. But then yeah, when I mean, you Amazon have a show is a that- company like so has benefited so much that it hired like more workers, right, to like serve its US customers, and then it ended up infecting like thousands of its employees. Yeah, and this guy his net worth goes up to like two hundred billion or something. Yeah, just like, like read an article today that apparently 
billionaires have all of them have like their net worth have gone up during the pandemic which is insane yeah. so what i thought of while watching the show is do you remember how in the first iron man movie like uh, tony stark is basically like a war profiteer right yeah that's what he is and he and he has like this change of heart mm. and uh, as an audience you're like with him right oh yeah finally you've you've kind of understood that this is wrong and you've changed as a human being it's like you've developed as a character yeah it's almost like an analogy for the us itself right that's what the us is it's a war profiteer correct so so that was like post like whatever iraq war afghanistan war and it was like us was like having this crisis like existential crisis almost i think it's like, more about hum- like assuaging their basically like guilt over which was not even post right it was literally happening during that time and it's still happening ha huh. and this the boys in in a sense is like post recession uh, you know and uh, post financial crisis where a lot of people have lost a lot of money but corporations and rich people have only got and richer a lot of them and that just annoyed me more like how like what right do you have as a company to be like oh this is like terrible like pointing fingers at like rich people and being like oh see how they control everything how terrible they all are but then you are literally making money out of that show and it just like really annoyed me like everything about this second season just felt a little too smug for me i, mean, I don't think the heart was in the right place i mean if there is such a thing in the show mm. although like there's almost like a duality in that sense right because like even though amazon's funding the show um the billionaires aren't like sitting down and directly writing it right it's the people like it's it's eric kripke the supernatural creator who's also the creator here and yeah but it's almost of- like uh, oh every rich corporate every corporation is evil like disney is evil whatever apple is evil here and there but except amazon like because we made it so we are somehow absolved of this blame no i'm saying the show is not presenting that right it's the amazon's marketing of the show presenting that no but then i mean it's similar to how apple says it's like it cares for the environment but then it has like chinese people bangladeshis die yeah or it has like it's still mining like rare earth metals like it's it's done that for the last 30 years and now it's suddenly gotten a conscience yeah, right? like no one's paying taxes and stuff like that and, and you're literally your flagship show of your platform the show that's being watched by more people than any other show is literally saying uh, oh this is bad it's it feels a little self serving it feels a little weird to me like i couldn't brush it off mm-hmm. like it was there in the back of my head right the other analogy from obviously for me is like you know the one we mentioned here and there in between is disney right the marvel is like the main target for this show yeah at least in the first season i felt that was stronger in terms of how the the soups were like also introduced it felt like oh comic con ho raha hai and they're like calling in the characters one by one it felt very right it felt a little more innocent but this season is is obviously like there's it's heavier yeah cuz like this literally like i think seth rogan comes in and says what cinematic universe one time right like which is like <laughs> so so many yeah. levels of like irony and like the meta metaness or whatever in that in there and then it is obviously like every time you see like they go outside the celebrities especially starlight she sees her own billboards and it says this she has a new series coming on what so what is like disney plus in a way whatever it's a company huh. and a platform and there's whatify as well which is like a spotify whatever dig it but like it is basically everything in one right what is like almost like sometimes it feels like to me like a closest analogy or comparison would be like east india company right I can't think of any other company in history hmm. which was not just like a you know a normal corporation but also had its own army but that's what what is right what has its own army the soups are its army anyway coming back to the marvel angle of it i feel like every time it mocks it also ends up feeling empty on a larger level because the boys would love to be the marvel right because that's what it 
it's all you know we're almost doing like the way it approaches storytelling and the larger sort of you know universe of it it's already doing that right in september amazon announced that there's gonna be a spin-off of the boys so i mean what the, what is that that's that's creating your own literal universe like you might joke inside the show what cinematic universe but outside you're, you're actually creating the boys cinematic universe. yeah you're actually emulating those financial models that you're criticizing yeah because you have no other like you as much as you might joke about marvel that's what you want need to be eventually i think both of us have hit at the same point right the show is kind of it wants to like eat its cake and yeah have its cake and eat it uh-huh. yeah. it's just like it, there's a superiority complex to it which is just not pleasant as a viewer or and warranted I think... right it's not like it's the best thing out there maybe if it was like you know like dark knight level of satire hmm. then maybe we, we would at least give it a pass right we would be like cool it's, it's actually pushing the superhero genre. like maybe if this was like watchman level right then we would be like uh-huh. yeah this is deserved. The problem I think ends up being here is it's like in the mid-tier level and it's like jabbing at the other sort of, you know, giants around it and be like, hey, look, look, they, they are terrible. But like, no, you are at the same level. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to also talk about like the politics of it? Because this is like a major theme this season, especially. So it feels the need to be relevant, not just to like pop culture, because apparently that's not uh, hefty enough, but also to like um, the current political scenario in the US. So basically there's this new character called Stormfront right who is um racist she's racist definitely but she's also she has an understanding of how to manipulate uh, crowds yeah which is like i mean in a way it's a very funny because it's, she's like 90 or 100 years old right and we know how old people are with social media but like this is mm-hmm. the first old person who's an ace with social media yeah she's she's like the, the stephen miller dude right she's like uh fully racist but also like uh, Chalu enough to know how to basically win elections in a way. Like if you want to consolidate power, uh, this is what you do. And I think Homelander initially is a little wary of her because he's like, I want to be the leader. Yeah. But then he understands that to win for the greater good, he needs to form an alliance. It's basically like a Gatbandan, right? Uh, like a political Gatbandan. Yeah. And uh, you cannot win on one uh, platform. You can't be far right and expect to win. You also need someone like Stormfront on your team to get a majority. Yeah, she makes it very clear, right? In like the, one of the middle episodes where she's, when he finally like goes up to her and sort of almost says that I don't need your help. She's like, you want people to love you, but that can only get you so far. I instill anger, which is why like they fight, they're soldiers for me and they're fans for you. That's the difference. Yeah. Now let's bone midair. <laughs> which is again, gratuitous and like unnecessary, but I'm like, sure, you're basically, this show is made for like 12 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh your thoughts on this i think the political aspects some of them i mean i think was well done especially like this ep- episode seven when they uh show us that guy getting polarized or like sort of radicalized sorry not polarized uh when he sort of he's exposed to like you know what is, he, what is us today right in how their media has sort of gone to polar extremes mm. uh, of the ideological extremes of the, the right wing and the left wing and that has sort of it's created like a, such a wide gap right there's no way for a layman to know like what is the actual truth otherwise if they don't know the the strings that are being pulled by the media so this is this r- random guy who, who sees right wing media at home but he sees like left wing media outside sometimes and at this convenience store he goes to mm. and he just like that divides just pulls him in like extremes 
and extremes and then the memes that uh, Stormfront's team is putting out he gets like he sees those and he eventually gets radicalized and he starts believing that super terrorists are actually living all around them mm. which is like you know just an analogy for like the refugees coming into the US yeah. and he just goes up and shoots the convenience clerk I mean those sort of asides you know like I think it's in a way by exaggerating it the fact that they turned them argument from like just normal people to like superheroes and you know sort of building that up actually stresses upon the absurdity of what's happening in the US as does uh, again I mean this is like a tiny spoiler compared to what I did for you earlier but the finale also opens within a similar way right they do this uh, training video I mean, whereas Homelander is sort of informing students and teachers of schools how to be safe when a supervillain attacks the school, which is again a parallel to school shootings in the US, right? This show is about everything. Yeah, so they, they, he tells them you have to like lock yourself down, like with the same thing they tell you, right? When a, a gunman attacks school, and then you know arm yourself. The whole like absurd argument of you know arming teachers in the US, and then just wait, like superheroes will come, which is basically saying like wait for the police, right? That's what the analogy is here. Mm. Those things actually, I think, hit cleverly at how crazy America has become in such certain ways like they can't even discuss certain things properly right like when they when you start to discuss gun control the argument certainly the goalpost is shifted and the argument becomes about arming teachers like how is that even in the same universe but you understand the problem with with this is that if imagine the show had come out 15 years ago 20 years ago and it was exactly what it is right now we would have seen it and we would have, we would have been like damn this is like a dystopia like what is this world right right but because it's following up on things that have already happened hmm. it simply does not feel like it's making any sort of statement we already know that this is absurd right we already know that school shootings are like a bizarre american thing that happens we already know that handing guns over to teachers is a stupid notion so for the show to kind of repeat that by just replacing uh, characters with like superheroes in tights it just feels like a exercise in just pointlessness for me like what are you trying to say what is the point like we get it I, I don't know it's been like a month and a half and I've not really thought about the boys much but then now that I think about it it's, it's just it's uh, downgraded in my mind I guess yeah cool I think that's a good point to add on why not uh, what's happening in the news section? Um, uh, there, there's a uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is joining the third Spider-Man movie. Yeah, as is Jamie Fox. Imagine watching the third Spider-Man movie and just seeing Jamie Fox in it. Assuming, of course, that he wasn't, he isn't in the trailers. Now, like, it very much depends on how they approach it for me. Because the thing is, I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, right? Like, I hate The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think it's one of the worst movies of all time. Ooh, you haven't seen uh, Guinea Wet Sunny, which I watched today. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Right? Worst, obviously, is in quotes, because it depends on what you've seen in your life. It varies for everyone. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so if they bring the same character in the same way he existed from that movie then I don't see a redeeming way, right? I don't see how they're gonna, like, approach that in a better way. Yeah. But, like, they've Fox has already said that he won't be blue, which then tells me that he's probably not the same version from that movie. This is just another take on Electro. I think uh, Doctor Strange's uh, involvement in this movie is the biggest clue that we have in terms of what they want to do. Like, uh, the Doctor Strange solo movie is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which, yeah. Which, and obviously, second Spider-Man movie hinted at Established it as well. Established the multiverse. Forget hinted. Like, Avengers Endgame, I would say hinted. 
far from the clearly established that there's a multiverse now ha and they established it and now what's happening is did you read that news story about how um, kevin feige uh, heard about uh, snyder's batman v superman and he was like i see what you're doing and i'm going to beat you and that's how he kind of put together um, civil war like he fast track civil war and stuff right so i think he's kind of internally heard that the flash is they're planning something insane with the flash yeah, and he's like yeah they're doing a multiverse uh, thing as well there dc is doing a multiverse which sounds crazy and i think the the leaks that have happened there are just very very unfortunate and they want us to done it him, themselves and uh, basically so wohi similar situation this guy is like uh, i see what you're doing and i'm going to one up you <laughs> now what's weird is that the spider-man series especially is still like owned by sony right yeah so this is just like one of those situations where uh, the storytelling will have to bow down to legal stuff like sony can simply say ki hey we want this 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 and feige will have to find a way to do it right which is what sony is insisting on sony is like you have to kind of connect your universe to our marvel universe which is like the venom stuff right so that we can actually then take hold into the, those properties as well true and i wouldn't be surprised if in spider-man 3 there is like a tom hardy cameo or whatever if they are going to go all the way and introduce like toby maguire or andrew garfield uh, then like i wouldn't be surprised because jk simmons is already there although he looks different yeah i mean it, which is funny because he basically he's the first person to grow back here <laughs> he and normally you'd shed hair but he's like he grew it back yeah and he's like what he's like uh, that alex jones dude right yeah you know he's that because i mean it so that part makes sense because you know we all know newspapers are dying so it makes sense that he's gone from a newspaper to a podcast what doesn't make sense is that is the hair <laughs> uh also on related note i feel this is why scott derrickson uh, quit uh the doctor strange movie like there was just too much stuff that he was expected to do in terms of building towards the future of the MCU and uh, since doctor strange seems like uh, like a major major character now like he's going to be taking on a mentorship role and all sort of you know eras of spider-man you know uh jk simmons from the tobey maguire era fox from the andrew garfield era and now obviously dominant is still there mm. are coming together and mm. sam raimi is directing doctor strange <laughs> Yeah it's oh, just God. it's just like it's screwing with my mind. Did you see that Boss Logic poster that he put up today? No, I haven't seen this. Anyway, so Boss Logic put up this poster of like Spider-Man 3 where uh it was uh quite nice actually. It had all three Spider-Mans uh, and Miles Morales, but just like their hand or their uh, or their shoe or their um, you know, like in the distance and stuff like that. Right. So you could tell who's who, but it was just like all of them are together. It was quite nice. And which was really exciting like I remember. Also, I, think, uh, I think at some level that's like wishful thinking though i don't i'm not sure like sony is probably wants to go that far to like or maybe it does like maybe it's just like so tired of like making a billion dollars they're like we want to make 3 billion dollars now so we will bring back toby maguire and garfield i mean toby maguire does he have anything going on like i know he makes a lot of money playing poker like but what's he doing i mean that also depends on if they want to come back right <laughs> i mean that's what i'm saying like what's he got like poker game i mean sorry i can't make yeah, it but, to atlanta like, i'm not like, sure like garfield would want to come though after the way he was kicked out yeah unless like feige woos him that's the only way he's going to come back because uh, i think uh, he ended on a sour note right yeah like i Especially heard some like weird stories that he he basically didn't get a third movie because he didn't show up to some press conference in brazil or yes, something yes 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 he he was supposed to go to a press conference in brazil where they were going to announce spiderman 3 with him they, so he would be like okay let's go from planning a movie to almost announcing it 
and now cancelled because our star missed one conference because what he claimed was he was sick or something right yeah he he said he was sick uh, and then it was apparently some it was like some really bureaucratic shit it was like someone's birthday some executive executive's birthday which he failed to turn up to so the executive got like annoyed also he's like main hi kar raha and the whole franchise i think it was already on like a slippery slope yeah, that franchise like they were unsure about it and garfield was clearly like he had voiced his displeasure like he wasn't into it at yeah, all yeah so i think it's pro- it's possible that maybe fox is was like a second choice who knows they were like went for garfield first and they're like cool we'll set up for this guy <laughs> um yeah so that's news yeah that's marvel is i mean it's of almost like funny to talk about these things because uh we haven't had a single marvel movie incidentally since the last spider-man movie uh because of the pandemic and this entire sort of like our podcast existed in just like in this indie phase right because every other big movie has just like postponed which is like you have no idea of like if you'll get to see black widow in april who knows yeah it's just existed in this um indian dilbechara phase <laughs> Although we just like talked about the boys, so it's funny that we're calling it indie now. But yeah, it is what it is. It's the first TV show that we've done, though. Yeah, I think that's true. If hmm. someone made it to this point of the podcast, congratulations for that fact. Cool. I think it's time to move on to the final section of the podcast. What did you watch? I watched a bunch of stuff, but I think one thing that both of us watched and almost covered was uh, Bad Boy Billionaires. Yeah. Which was supposed to be a four-part documentary, but uh, they released just three episodes because of stuff. Legal troubles. Uh, yeah. So... out of the three i thought it was really weird because all three episodes were like so different in terms of both quality and uh, just generally uh, like some of them were clearly better better made which one did you i think all three the best i enjoyed uh, the vijay malya one right i think the subrata roy one is the best one the best episode of the three simply in terms of the human interest angle that it takes yeah uh, i i think like it's more malya effective and uh, what's the other one modi one are similar in some sense because they're both about conning the public sector banks right mm-hmm. cuz that's how they sort of climb up the ladder mm-hmm. uh but then as you said subrotoray so, so one is the human interest one because he's he's the, in a way the worst of the three right because he swindled money from like the poorest people of india yes allegedly. and i mean that one was just simply the most interesting one in terms of like just the vibe of the guy also like there was just so much happening over there and that uh, that <laughs> that bootlicker dude his right hand man or whatever who who worships the you know is it the guy with the tikka or is it the guy with uh who's who had to dye his hair black no no not the guy who had to dye his hair black the guy with the tikka right. who's yeah, like yeah. uh so uh, sahara shri to matlab he's a visionary he's like he has divinity in him and then is the same divinity. guy who says he's he's not a god he's guru yeah yeah same thing <laughs> so mean, this, this like, guy i think that's what i loved about the documentary in general is how they were able to get these people who were close to you know these actual guys and make them talk openly even now today after everything that's happened like it's almost like in some cases a decade or two decades or whatever mm. they still in like reverence of these individuals right like even which after is they- very yeah it's a very desi thing also you know how certain people are just so subservient like we desis are very subservient culture uh, which is i think by 
like during the british era for like we conquered for like 250 300 years i think a lot of things uh, because a like culturally yeah it's culture as well we, i mean i was joke half joking when i said that ha uh, like we are taught to kind of respect elders and yeah. stuff like that you know like just just respect elders. you know that's a question you know, right like that's i mean i think ha, like, we we that becomes actually a problem because like we graduate like and then we end up in jobs and then people are afraid to mm. actually ask questions in their job which like which kid like is a detriment to productivity then because they just like blindly follow orders instead of asking a simple question which might like actually improve their jobs hai na and it's just like you've accepted that you are inferior to yeah. someone who's more powerful or more rich or whatever and in this case it was almost like a cult like situation right and even they technically this... not rich right it's not even their money right they've either conned the banks or mm. they've conned people so they basically amassed money from poor people or they've raised money from banks on based of no collateral and then they've presented it as their money that money is not theirs yeah and for different reasons like i the the thing that set all three episodes apart was also that um vijay malya was just bad at business basically like to put yeah. it in simplest terms he, he was not very smart at business he just kept putting money where he shouldn't have kept yeah. uh, put money for sure like airline the vice president right the american basically lays it clear right yeah he's like we started as a low cost airline and then he just like he was mm. like oh no we king fisher brand So we have to. Yeah, he was too wrapped up in that image that he created, yeah. and he had felt so the like pressure it, to kind of give up to. It has to have like fancy food and first class. And that was the Which beginning is, think, of the end. Uh, yeah, I like that aspect about the first episode, the uh, Malay episode as well, because it had a lot of voices from both sides, so it felt a little balanced. It didn't kind of just openly villainize him. So uh, yeah, that was I like that about the first episode. Second episode, the Nirav Modi one was the weakest of the lot because a there's not a lot of Nirav Modi in it. I think they kind of mine one interview mostly. Um, and uh, the guys around him were very uninteresting. The people that they got to. speak uh, especially this one dude uh, one advertising dude who's I don't know what man. Yeah, he was. He like, was uh, I, I felt almost like he was like still bizarre. getting a paycheck from Modi or something. Ha! Huh, like, are you still getting paid? Are you the only person who's getting paid from this dude? Like, Because what is up? Like, what is the way he was talking? He was like, the guy was like a visionary. Like, they literally said that. I was like, what? What visionary? <laughs> yeah. He just went into a bank, raised money with no collateral. He just he's a criminal. <laughs> he's a crook. How is he a visionary? And. The funniest was when he gets uh, caught on like the streets of London by that reporter, and uh, this advertising dude is like, "But he looked like a badass. Did you see his jacket? Yeah. He looked like a badass." Yeah, you know, that almost like contributes like to the documentary. Like, I think that's great that they. They've gotten these people to like be so dumb on camera, which is cool, right? Which is I felt a nice um, stylistic move uh, in terms of documentary filmmaking, where they did not have narration uh, to kind of tell the viewer that you are. I always like that when they kind of documentaries can avoid that. Like, just let your voices speak instead of you know you having to come in. Because that obviously it's like a patch up work almost to me sometimes narration. Yeah, because there's especially in these stories, there's so much information that you can convey. Yeah. very easy so the filmmakers have 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 figured out a narrative in their head although heads. i think the narration like now that i think about it comes through the news channel bits that's how they do it exactly so they found ways to do narration yeah. without actually having to hire like tom hardy to narrate the story why tom hardy how did that come in but okay <laughs> i'll tell you how it came in because i watched the tottenham hotspur documentary <laughs> recently is that i have tom hardy as narrator yes okay cool fair enough <laughs> 
सो या विच आई दिस इज वॉट आई लाइक ऑल्सो अबाउट मेकिंग अ मर्डर वेर दे हैड द स्टोरी इन देयर माइंड देट एडिटेड द स्टोरी इन देयर माइंड देट क्रिएटेड अ नाइस नेरेटिव इन देयर माइंड एंड दे सिंपली गॉट द पीपल टू से वॉट दे वॉन्टेड एंड चॉक्ट अराउंड दम इन अ वे वेर द मेसेज दैट दे वर ट्राइंग टू कन्वे वॉज वेरी वेरी क्लियर सो नो वॉन्ट एटली कम्स एंड टेल्स यू दैट ओ माई गॉड दीज पीपल स्टोर लॉट ऑफ मनी इट्स जस्ट दैट यू हियर बिजार पीपल टॉकिंग अबाउट हाउ कूल दीज क्रिमिनल आर सो द पॉइंट इज बीन मेड आई थिंक दैट वॉज प्रीन nicely done yeah what worries me i mean what, what the uh, not about the documentary but like what the, the facts it presents is, is how clearly lax our banking system is right like i mean where are the checks and balances like how is it happening over and over i mean these are just two two instances that i'm sure it's happened in a million other cases where it's not that this big right that our public sector i mean with, with malia it's idbi and then with modi modi pnb pnb right like so these are just two banks and clearly our public sector banks are in a crisis like they they're not being you know run well at all considering that the what they were been doing after, no? and i think at one point someone even says that you know this guy has stolen what uh, 9000 crore but that's peanuts like if you look at other industrialists in this country yeah. they have much they have like bigger debts than which this. is like the, the point that malia's son himself makes in the documentary right they're like He's trying to make a scapegoat out of him, but hmm. in in the larger picture, he's like one or two percent or something. Also, um, you mentioned scapegoat. The I think the connective thing about all these three subjects is that they. uh were the criminal procedure against them was started after i might be wrong after the modi government took over no i think some of them it's already started cuz i think sahara is the one that i knew least about hmm. cuz most of the history had happened before i even came of age okay the only memory of sahara i had was with the the, the t-shirt on the indian cricket team which yeah. i guess was the entire reason they did that because then i would have that image if i never read about yeah. it after in my life it felt like that they got their come up ones only after they kind of openly say, uh, like challenges the government or something like that yeah, so which is which is what you, he's doing the most right the sahara guy does that the most sahara the guy does that played, the most yeah and the other two are just like fled and like i mean which is again like the point that the which is like the common talking head across documentaries is that author right the crafty guy Uh, mm-hmm. and he says that we we keep pointing at uh countries in the east and saying they're corrupt but like it's it starts off in the west right the west is enabling them the rich people there mm-hmm. and there's a reason right like why are if he's in jail in custody modi mm-hmm. how is it taking so long to extradite him like right and how is malia still free and roaming the streets of london yeah nicely done i felt mm-hmm. All right guys that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening uh you can find the long take at the long take pod on facebook twitter instagram and youtube you can write to us at the long take pod or at gmail.com uh wherever you listen to this podcast please leave us a rating and a review and we will see you next week